Hello, everyone. Uh, my name's BB Hui, and my name is All. And uh, welcome to the very first episode of Hong Kong Gore, a podcast dedicated to exploring classics and hidden gems of Hong Kong cinema. Um, as a culture, the city is known to be always moving forward constantly, keeping up with the most current world trends and even creating some of its own. It's one of the reasons why, for a time, its film industry's output rivaled both America and Indian cinema. But that number has dwindled of late, largely due to socioeconomical factors, a segregated talent pool, changing tastes of audiences, and the now current trends of cinema that the Hong Kong film industry has had trouble keeping up with. But it is trying to keep up despite the growing odds. And as a culture renowned for always moving forward, frequently at a breakneck pace, things can get lost and even like forgotten. The Hong Kong notion of entertainment was seen as something to be enjoyed and then disposed of. As a consumer in Hong Kong, the only drive is to find the next new big hit. And it has to be new and it has to be fresh, shiny and above all exclusive. But today, Hong Kong... I think is a culture less about moving forward and more about holding on to its identity and a lost past, if you will. Even the idea of archiving and preserving its cinematic history was only a recent incentive. Um, a lot of the times they just dump a lot of their 35 mils or even like the original prints like somewhere in their sheds and just leave it there to rot, which is very unfortunate. Um, you know, the more Hong Kong has, you know, I think today Hong Kong is has become kind of like a Wonga Wei character, in my opinion, because it's always, it's now always longing for a past that they can't seem to touch, which, yes, I am lifting from In the Mood for Love, so whatever uh <laughs> Ooh, plagiarism wow i know Get right I know. get this guy out of here <laughs> don't sue me guys it's only my first episode yes yeah, um, for being smart what, what yeah. a shame well, yeah, Awful. Pretend, pretentious Awful. is probably one of the words i've been called um uh, yes um but this is the podcast's you know sort of main incentive is to look at past films with a retrospective lens, you know, fall in love with them once again, criticise it, sometimes maybe even make fun of it because there is like a lot of, you know, batshit crazy things that just came out. Um, just, just, just a bit, just a bit. Yeah, just a bit, just a just bit. A bit. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we'll be getting into category three films, but I don't know. Maybe give us some time. Yes, let's let's get into this and get into this first, and we'll see yeah. where we go after this. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you know, for this first episode, I'm very happy that with the first film we chose, uh, "Yes, Madam," released in 1985. You've seen the so, film. Yes. I have seen uh, the film. Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um. Yeah. So yes, madam. I wanted to see it because I'd read um that is the first girl with guns movie, uh, yeah. that started a, a trend for a number of years, and um. So I learned after the it's also Michelle Yeoh's uh, first feature film in Hong Kong. It, and um, I, yeah, and, I, and, and it is it, yeah, it had a really good reputation. And yeah. I think you recommended it actually pretty out to the podcast a few years ago. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, a definitely. really, really good 
as a strong movie. Cool. Uh, sorry, I think I'm. A- <laughs> I'm going to be that guy who's going to correct you, or something like that. I do apologize. What? I'm not. I'm not going to correct you. Really, you're you're half right. It is Michelle Yu's sort of first starring role or breakthrough role, but it wasn't necessarily her first film role. Her first film role was in the Samuel Hung film called Al versus Dumbo, I believe, or Bumbo. Really? Yeah, and it, it was like... That's promising. That was, that's the title. <laughs> that was like... Nice, yeah, exactly. It's a good film. I quite like it. Uh, that was released in 1984, but that was more of a straight acting role, you know, because she basically uh, plays like a somewhat damsel in distress, like your typical sort of female, you know, roles in those types of films where the males get the action the the lion's share of the action and she just you know because in the, in that film she plays a teacher trying to like get a handle of her unruly children and her kids in the class okay, so yeah. you know, that's kind of like a role then she had a slight cameo she has a small cameo role in twinkle twinkle lucky stars and I feel like that was kind of like a taster for the audience because she plays like a judo tradition, uh, a judo instructor where she gets to do a little bit of action. And I feel, and she even has the same haircut as, um, as the one she has in Yes, Madam. So I, in my head, when I look at that, it's like, oh, that must, because it was only released like Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars was released in August. And I believe uh, Yes, Madam was released round, around about November time. So I, I think it was kind of, is meant to be a taste of what, you know, what you would be expecting from Yes, Madam in that role. Uh, but yeah, right, yeah it sense. has been, so, so I think Yes, Ma- yes Madam technically is her third film, but it's her first starring role. So you're half okay, right. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was the first Hong Kong one rather than, but fair enough. Uh, completely wrong on this one. So, <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry, yeah, those... I'm going to be that guy. You can, you can just. <laughs> okay, but that's anyway. that's 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 the dynamic. That's that's yeah. that's what we're going for in a nutshell. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that's what attracted me to it. Um, that it was something that seemed pretty important in the history yeah. of Hong Kong cinema, but also that you know it was Michelle Yeoh that we know now for a lot more roles. Mm. Um be in it as a so in in a first big big role um so that's really what attracted me to it and i didn't really know much about the movie prior uh, seeing it i really hadn't read too much about it um but it was really interesting on many many levels um because um it's First of all, it starts off with um, introducing two main characters, which apparently is a trend afterwards in the Girl with Guns movies. They always use two two lead actresses. Um, it stars Michelle Yeoh, but opposite is Cyn- Cynthia Rockwood. Um, yes. Uh, so Rough Rock, sorry, Cynthia Rough Rock, who's a well American actress. Um, that's introduced in the movie. Who is... plays an English woman? In the yeah, episode. exactly. <laughs> but like she just gets in there um and i was like okay well that's pretty you know rare to me to see like a white woman just gets into a hong kong movie there's that's not necessarily always the case and particularly as a co-star and then yeah, well, it was her first role as well which i'm like i well here's the thing apparently historically according to rothrock she was part of a sort of martial arts team she was actually um competing at the time and right. the, the the producers of the film from DMB 
including Corey Young Kuei, who who also directed and action choreographed this film, yeah. uh, went and sort of talent scouted. Now, this is kind of strange because originally they wanted to look for a Bruce Lee-esque male martial artist to star in a film, which assume, I assume is going to be Yes, Madam, because... Mm. <clears throat> excuse me. Because uh, you know there were because they were clearly deep in pre-production and they were already training Michelle Yeoh. They just needed like someone to co-star with her. Um, so they were looking for a male martial artist. Uh, but then apparently Rothrock, you know, did her demonstration and impressed Corian so much. And it was like, actually, I want her. You know, I want you know Rothrock. You know, and. And we want, let, you know, let's have two females, you know, because I think yeah. I think the in- incentive was have one female action star and a male action star to sort of co-star each other, you know, in that film. Yeah, which is apparently something that happens a lot in other guns with, Girls with Guns movies where yeah. you have a male action star that's also in the mix. But um, yeah, in this, in this case, the three other male uh, leads are all comic relief characters which is yep. another aspect of the movie we're going to get into because that's probably one of the, the bizarre aspect of the movie is that it mixes those three main main male characters that are all completely incompetent and doing really really a terrible job of everything and then those two very competent women just yeah. fighting their way against sexism and, and making it through uh, this yep. story um, yeah. Just to come back on the background of uh, Michelle Yeoh, that she majored in the ballet at the in ballet at the Royal yes. Academy in London, so yeah, she didn't yeah. have, like you said, the um, she had no the... martial arts experience per se. Yeah. And a lot of her physicality comes from dance, which you know says something about choreography because choreography is essentially dance. Um, so she acclimated well with the um, with their style of their of choreography. The thing that I read also is that for a lot of women being trained to uh, star in action movies, they were trained a for, in a form of martial art, Korean martial art called Hapkido. And that was kind oh, of something yeah. that was reused very frequently um, because it, yes. yeah, there's a lot of more importance in legwork, essentially, which is a very important uh, element of all those fight scenes. Yeah, Those yeah. legs really kick everybody's ass in this movie it's a constant i think either taekwondo or have i mean the south korean martial arts they're very useful i mean i remember um there was the action star angela mao who trained extensively in Hakkido. exactly yeah so, in 1968 yeah, yeah so yeah. and, and this get, uh, one is even coming my... from 1985 for Yes Madam. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, even many of the male action stars at the time, like Sammo Hung and uh, Jackie Chan, they were pretty much knee-deep with Hakido and Taekwondo sort of like styles. I think a lot of the the reasons was that they normally adopted a lot of South Korean talent, you know, like Wang Ang Sik, you know, in like The Young Master and... um, uh, I'm going to like butcher his name, Jun Rei, who was like a... uh, like a, a taekwondo grandmaster at the time and right. um and even like the more like sort of like i guess contemporary or younger sort of like talent like casanova one being the one that strikes my he's like he's an amazing kicker i think have you seen warriors 2 no i haven't no okay he he, he basically that's one of his like m- like more well-known roles around the world so yeah but yeah going back to uh to yes, uh, Madam, yes, Madam, yeah, because... and Michelle Yeoh, yes. 
because we, we put a lot of emphasis right now on um, the action, but really the, the plot is not so much focused on the action in the sense that it's not a martial art movie. It's more of a, a crime story. Um, yeah, so- it, I, I was going to say, it, when I rewatching it, I, it struck me how much it straddles the line between a gritty crime thriller with gunplay and... And then it kind of does turn into a martial arts movie, maybe near like the third act, you know. I mean, you get yeah. burst of that action, but not when that you, much if you think when about you start it. having a lot more of those scenes and it's starting yeah. more focusing on, on just fights. But really, at, at the beginning, it's more of a it's more of a crime story um, okay. mixed in with the elements of comedy. But essentially, the the start of the movie is that because of um, the murder of an accountant who was planning to sell microfilms with forged documents. Um, Those documents are being stolen by uh, three thieves uh, who have all named named after uh, painkillers. So there's Panadol, Strepsil, and Aspirin. Yeah. Uh, uh, Want to give the actors names? Because... (laughs) Well, yeah, so so there's John Cham, there's Hoi Meng, but there's, more importantly, there's Tsu bloody fucking Ark. So Tsu (laughs) Yark... Is in this movie the, the director Tsuyak, known for Zoo, um, uh, Warrior of the Mountains? Uh, he's known for Time and Tide, a uh, recently Detective D. So he's he's a very well known producer and um, and he's filmmaker. He's essentially the Steven Spielberg of Hong Kong. You know, that's that's a big title, but yeah, yeah, yeah that could definitely be that. I agree. So definitely like a strange choice of having this guy just in a role. Also maybe worthy to add that the movie is produced by Samo Hung. Um, yes. So he has some uh, participation in this. Um, my guess also around Samo Hung is that um, the fact that he is the producer of a movie that stars a woman um, is something that probably will cover at some point uh, yeah. the movie She Shoots Straight, where he yeah. has more of an active part in. Yeah. And we'll, where really the three women, the three main women who plays in this movie are a lot more like the, the dynamic um, between them is a lot more important than what what happens in Yes Manor, where it's just kind of a rivalry and then they turn into friends. Was um, I feel like Samo Hong, um, in his own way, is kind of a nice ally um, in the sense that he's, as a guy whose grandmother was uh, in... Uh, was an actress uh, who did uh, fight scenes and uh, martial arts movies. I feel like because he grew up with somebody who was an actress who could do action, he was more keen on putting, um, well, two women basically as acting and most more importantly as fighting characters um, in this movie, uh, which then kickstarted a whole jar. Uh, so it wasn't really something like they were trendsetters with this one. So there was probably a bit of a kind of a need to do something different, but at the same time, they didn't seem completely sure about doing this with two women. So they included instead the plot with three jackass who uh, are completely, complete idiots. And um, in the bunch, all of them are kind of like, seasoned actors and then you have Suyak in the mix because you kind of you probably could ask him to do a bit and you'd be all right and he actually does a pretty good job you know, um, your um, your your breakdown of that i i can't say I, I have to say that you 
pretty much hit the nail on the head there. This, after all, this film is a commercial. Can I tell you the alternate title of oh, the time go ahead, yeah. market? So the, the, it, it apparently it went through many sort of titles, which we will get into. But one of them being a very weird one is called "Little Strimp versus Whale." Which oh, basically, Jesus That's yeah, terrible. right. <laughs> I know, but it, it, that was for the Taiwanese market, and that was meant to be a reference for the the three. I'm going to call them the three Sto- Stooges characters because that's essentially what they yeah, are. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly yeah. what they are. Yeah. yeah. So it was kind of like I, I think there was um I think there was in terms of like the producers you know sort of mindset I think there was like a way there was a thing where how do we sell this film to like different markets and I am um, and I think for the Taiwanese market they were they wanted. To, According to John Shum, this is actually from an interview with John Shum. It was like for some reason, you know, they weren't entirely sure how to sell, sell you know, Michelle Yeoh as like a female yeah. acting hero. So they're gonna sell us to that market as like these free comedic, because comedy was it was actually a big thing in Asia, particularly in Hong Kong. So it's like they're gonna, and it's you know, it's it's three male characters. So you know, in their heads, it's going like, oh, that's we, we'd be able to appeal to that market because you know, it's essentially. Yeah, you know, three comedy buffoons, you know, kind of. Yeah, thing, so. and actually, they are the characters who are closer to being um, kind of parodies of um, an action or martial art movie because they're friends from tw- for twenty years. They have that dynamic of the Three Stooges, but more importantly, they have a master. Like they go yeah, see their master, him... who's played by Samuel Hong. Yeah, they call um, him Sifu, you know. So I yeah. mean, it, it, it's not overtly clear of what he's actually a master of because they didn't they no none of the three doesn't overtly show any sort of like skill in martial arts i mean i think you know mang hoi being you know because of his stunt background shows elements of like some physicality and i think even Choi hark has shown some elements of physicality or maybe his does yeah and, i think but it's it, it, it's not overtly like suggested that they're actually. I, I don't think it's actually implied even that they're actually martial artists. You know, no, and I think they, they're, they're just uh, thieves, and Sammo Hong is supposed to be the seafood of them for yeah. for learning how to to steal. Because well, the only thing we see Sammo Hong does we, we do with his three friends. Um, Sammo Hong, by the way, who's when he shows up in a scene where he's at a hospital, has they put some gray paint on his, on his hair man to tech. say. Yeah, like oh, this guy is old. Like I checked their birth dates. Like all of them are around the same age, except for one who's ten years older. So they're definitely not very old. And yeah. then essentially, we all, and that's the only thing that actually where I thought like, oh, this movie is a bit weird. Is when they basically rush the um, nurse, so the three oh, yeah. old guys so, rush yeah. to then take a plate of chicken before. But before that, they kind of sexually harass her, and then no, they take no, no. chicken. I mean, I, okay, so how that? It's meant to be a joke. It's meant. <laughs> it's meant to be a joke, but it's also it's, just meant to be it, not it, really it, good it, idea. It's, it's a bad taste. Well, it, I think it's like it. We're as an audience, as an audience, we're meant to be led. We're, we're led to believe that the three men are about to sexually Thirst. harass the, you yeah. know, the the nurse, but. In reality, they just wanted to restrain her so they can actually grab the chicken. So it's kind of like oh, yeah, a that, that situation. makes it all better. That, <laughs> yeah, I know that it doesn't. It really doesn't. But yeah, I know what you mean. I the know relief is massive. <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah. the, uh, to be fair, and that's also a thing you had. I think you gotta say for this movie is that for a movie that's directed by men and that features three stooges, um, yeah. 
one of the one of them whose master is not a very smart person, definitely yeah. regarding his behavior towards women. The movie doesn't do any lewd shots of neither Michelle Yeoh or Cynthia Rothrock. At no. no point in the movie do you have any shot that makes sure their cleavage. Um, there's nothing of that where there is one I'm, shot. I think there I is remember. one shot. Okay, I missed it because, that, because <laughs> no, 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 okay, there is one shot, but it's. It's kind of played for laughs, and it's like it, you know the shot when um, I think it's near at the end where uh, oh, it's it, when Meng Hoi and John Chum's character wants to like get arrested so they can actually mm. have, protect. Oh themselves. yeah, there's a shot when they actually just open like Michelle Yeoh's sort of like true. That is then, true. Yeah, so there's they, that. But, yeah. they, but there's that. But if you look at it, it's not like she's wearing. She's actually quite covered up you know kind of thing. It's, it's not like she's yeah, wearing so it's, like a it's not a nude shot but it's, it's not them being and, it, and, it's a very, and it's such a quick cut you you you, you blink and you miss it i mean i think yeah you did. i probably missed it when i was thinking yeah. notes, to be honest but <laughs> i see what you mean exactly with that with that particular scene um yeah. but most of it it's pretty good um and actually the movie itself um at least in all the scenes that involve michelle Yeoh and cynthia rothrock all the scenes actually have a lot of the men around them making, um, you know, sexist jokes or criticize yeah. them, but they all stand up to them. They all say like, basically like, yeah, we don't, we don't need you. Um, and they all do an extremely good job of being actually better people and better cop. Actually for Michelle Yeoh, who's like for most of the feature film, he's, she's there from the start. When she's introduced, she's basically doing a Dear to Harry uh, parody because yeah. she's involved. There's a, I think they're trying to stop um, a perv, and then oh right, yeah, uh, the the flasher, yes, the flasher, and then after that, there's like that bank heist, and she intervenes, yes. and then she does a dirty Harry because she basically tells him like, can you guess like, is there still bullets in my oh, gun before God, you I, shoot him? I I literally like missed the reference there. <laughs> I, I never so, knew. Yeah, it's, it's oh, but you're so right. You're actually right. Oh my god, she's introduced definitely at the beginning as a oh yeah. She takes no shit from anyone. Yeah. She's really there to fuck you up, and um, that at least you know at the beginning you're like okay. So this movie is really gonna showcase a, a heroine without any restriction on her being like oh she's gonna be fragile. Like no, she's not. When Cynthia Rothrock is introduced in the in the, in the airport scene, which is really really good, and we'll talk about it later, but the fight choreography she does at that time is super powerful. Like immediately when she shows up, she's instantly introduced as, "Oh, she's just as tough." Like there's no difference of levels. She's really a kick ass. And um, that, again, is, I think, one of the very strong elements of this movie is that, I don't, I'm, obviously, it's not a feminist movie, but for a movie no. that's being a bit cautious about introducing to a woman as lead, at least, you know, they make no restriction about um, who and how strong those women are in their job as cops when it comes I to fighting. I I totally agree because I think you know there have okay here's the thing there have been female action stars prior or action mm. films with female leads prior to uh, yes madam the thing is okay this is the point where I have to sort of get into the history of like Hong Kong cinema briefly yeah so yeah so during the 1950s and 60s it's actually um, 
we uh, you know having female sort of leads in action roles was actually very common at the time uh you you see it in like tv and actually in film in fact um the one of them one of the sort of like main sort of heroines of like characters that are, that are actually really popular is uh black rose which is kind of like a i said i guess a pseudo it's basically a masked female warrior fighting crime and you know saving the. It's kind of like I suppose a female version of Zoro, but with martial okay. arts in some respects, you know, kind of thing. Um, and you know, for a time when "Come Drink with Me" came out in 1966, which stars Cheng Pei Pei and directed by King Hu, a lot of people thought, okay, this is like you know, this it was like the first sort of wuxia films, you know. But new wave wuxia films, but with a female action lead. Can and you, it's can you like, define just briefly what wuxia is? So wuxia is a genre typically released in uh, Hong Kong and China, and essentially it's um, it's 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 Chinese swordplay fantasy, you know, kind of thing. And you know, wuxia. I mean, wuxia is it? It's how do you how? How would you define? Uh... Well, because we talked about it uh, in the previous chat we had, and you mentioned also the element of the fact that it is more, so it's more poetic. But yeah, it's more, it's, 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 yeah, wuxia, but basically wuxia literally means wu is basically martial, and xia means um, heroes, so martial heroes. So it's it's essentially, you know, the genre that, a lot of the Western world it was introduced through Crouching Tiger, where you see it's basically period martial arts films. They're most likely, you know, where characters are able to. Uh, I'm not going to use the word fly, but leap great, you know, distances. And yeah, yeah they, they maybe... perform acts that are the actions that are beyond the human abilities. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, like you... a zoo, sorry, zoo, the warrior of the mountain uh, would be a wuxia movie. I, yeah, I, I would say yes. I would say it or it so has this fantastic element. But but again, that's 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 Choi Hart trying to re reimagine or reinterpret the Wuxia right. for a modern generation with that film. So you know, and he does it like many more times. But anyway, uh, go back to what I was like mentioning uh, with "Come Drink with Me" and Cheng Pei Pei. So King Hu. So that film actually did really well, and it got a lot of like. A good critical attention. A lot of people thought with that film, um, it's it, we've reached like a new stage of like you know of that particular genre and also female sort of like action heroines. Unfortunately, or for I don't know, I'm going to use so I'm going to use the word unfortunately because you know um, there was another director. The year later, there was another director called Chang Che, and he according to him he really didn't like the fact that oh you know there's a lot of female action series heroes so he because and he wanted to present wuxia with a more masculine sort of sensibility so he wanted to foreground um the the they call it or you know they they call it yang gang i i may have mispronounced that but essentially that means staunch masculine masculinity and essentially it's foregrounding male heroes you know with it's male bonding it's all about you know man you know sort of quite masculine relationships you know kind of thing uh and you know and subsiding the sort of like the female parts so you get like films like the one-armed swordsman 
uh, you know, anything from Jimmy Wen Yu, and then you got the stuff from Di Lung and David Jang in like uh, Vengeance and Deadly Duo and Blood Brothers. Even is like one of the more popular. Uh, so I haven't seen those movies, but do you see them because they all focused on men, like men, men, men bonding, bonding with each other? Do you see them as being with willingly or unwillingly with a queer subtext, or being a very lot... like nothing so... at all? I, so a lot of people do read a lot of homoerotic sort of subtext, and but the thing is, it's like to to you know Hong Kong directors, and you know John Woo gets a lot of you know this sort of not necessarily yeah, it's yeah John Woo gets subtext yeah is, is yeah, 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 yeah he sure. he gets that, but I think for them it's like no, it's just two people having a really close relationship, and you know, and being able to sort of like express their vulnerability vulnerable side yeah exactly another, you know and when i guess I think too, of, like yeah sorry go on when i think of, no it's all right when i think of john Wu movies i always think of the fact that they're not necessarily they never seem to be attracted to each other but they're definitely um more sensitive towards each other yeah, like they, they exactly. confide in each other and that's not necessarily exactly, yeah. being emotion like sexually attracted yeah. is just being open open to each other yeah and um, yeah. in a way that's true that is so different that's from like when we talk about uh, the duo that there, there is in Yes, Madam and the dynamic there is in, the, in this movie, it's also, I mean, the movie was also made in reaction to buddy action comedies. So yeah. like things like Beverly Scarp or 48 Hours yeah. were made around the same time, like 1982, 1984 and Yes, yeah. Madam's 1985. Yes. But the dynamic you have in those American movies with the co-stars that, Sure, they open up a bit to e- about it to each other, but it's it's so little. It's just them. One of them saying I mean, like, "Well, I have problems with my wife." Oh, great! He's so fragile. He just said that he had a problem with his wife. And it's Whereas, to play. It's it's played for laughs as exactly. anything else. Yeah. Like they all they, they they kind of trust each other a bit, but it's followed up by by a gag. Whereas in yeah. all those John Woo movies, because that I mean that's the only one I know in terms of yeah, those kind yeah. of relationships, it's just much more um, deeper. There's much, like it's it, it is a, there's a sincerity about it that you don't. Yeah, exactly. Get they it. have trust issues. They have to talk to each other. Um, they work out problems that they have. I mean, particularly when you think of something like a, a better tomorrow. I mean. The, Browser relationship is really intense um, and leads, you know, to some drama and, until the better end of the movie. So it is a very almost well Shakespearean kind of oh yeah totally, um, totally. way of but looking I think at things rather than any other subtext. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, going back to the 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 Yangan sort of like staunch masculinity because that became popular and Junji sort of kind of got his way it kind of does it did it, it superseded the sort of development of female action heroes at the time so you don't get any more sort of vehicles where you have lead action or a female leads or not that much you do i mean not to say there weren't any female leads or strong female action stars there, that few, actually there were it a few big, yeah it wasn't big. Like, if you look at like films of Angela Mao, I love Angela Mao, but if you look at those films, you know, it, it, you get like a sense that, oh, you know, she was like, it was more of an ensemble piece as opposed to yeah. like her as a, as a lead star. And uh, there was another sort of action actress, which I absolutely love, uh, Kara Hu. Uh, 
she she was she's probably most well known in the west with the film my young auntie and you know she's been in like a bunch of like amazing action films and you know she's one of my favorite actresses but like my young my young auntie as much as i love that film if you look at that film even though she is the focus uh of the narrative if you go once you go reach to the third act she still becomes a damsel in distress that needs to be saved by men right you know kind of that's terrible yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I still love that film, but I could see that narratively, it kind of was like a missed, a huge missed opportunity kind of thing for my, for me anyway. So, for Yes, Madden to actually sort of come out in 1985 after that sort of somewhat dry spell, and actually have the film, um, you know, follow through, you know, just you know, and you, know, its through line is to present female action heroes all the way to the end, and to actually for that film to actually do that. It's actually a quite a big deal if you you know thinking about it. If you look at it Absolutely, from its historical yeah. context, you know kind of thing. Hence why it you know it spawned the girls with guns genre, and you get like more female action heroes in films that you know get to kick butt and not be saved by like men. You know they get to like play or at least you know overcome men or you know play equal grounds with like me- their male. Yeah, not become men, but yeah, definitely be be on the same on the same level. Um, now, talking about the men, um, we need to talk about those three stooges because <laughs> yes. there is almost. I think before before we talked about before we started the podcast, we talked yeah, about yeah. this, and you said that this movie can be basically divided into there's like almost two movies in it. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. it definitely shows how much of a cartoon the three stooges are in this movie because. In their scenes, the editing even seems completely different. Yeah. The way everything's shot is always made in a way where you have transitions that are meant to be comedic. Yeah. And then when you have the two, uh, so Michelle Yeo and Cynthia Rothrock, they are investigating, they have uh, sexist comments about them, they have to stand up to, uh, for, it, for, for themselves, and then you move to those three idiots... And then they have problems of their own, but they're being harassed by other gangs. And then there's a whole scene where Sweetheart has to defend himself in his flat that's basically built around trapdoors and like, <laughs> like it's essentially he's in, this, he's in the Acme factory. Yeah. Like you look at it, you think like, okay, is this part directed by somebody else? Who the hell? So it's still coherent in terms of the action because the I mean the action choreography is really really good. But it's still like you're looking at this and thinking like, who the hell thought of this? So there's the even when they introduce in the hotel scene, you start with a character that's like it's got a giant hat. Then he moves to a guy that has like a big cigar. Then he moves to a headshot of a guy with like big sunglasses, despite the fact that we're indoors. So the guy with big sunglasses is the bad guy because yeah, take away. You know, yeah, he's got big sunglasses. Then. The villain uh, who kills the accountant, he kills him with an apple that he puts on the silent on his gun to make it a silencer. Like that <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Just yeah, before that, they also open the door with a card, which is a classic of those movies. I don't even know yeah. if you can do that. But the fact that they're using an apple as a silencer, I thought like, okay, are we like yeah, yeah, taking this seriously? I mean, it look, I remember watching it for the first time. I was like, oh, that's actually really cool. But if you think about it, I was like, what's it meant? What does that the apple make? It makes no like, sense. There's no way it works. It meant, like, 
stop the blood from spurting out? I, 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 I guess. Uh... Yeah, it's it's really strange. I'm I'm really I mean, we're not gun experts unless your height has been holding out on me, but like <laughs> this stuff is weird. Then yeah, then the whole movie also revolves on the fact that when they get the passport and so they get the passport and they get the the microfilm, which are going to be the basically the main thing that people need to the find. The main MacGuffin, essentially. Yeah, the MacGuffin, exactly. exactly. He, he doesn't realize that there's a microfilm and then he puts it on his glasses and then for basically three or four days, that's how how long the plot is supposed to last, I guess. Yeah. He yeah, doesn't even right. realize there's something in his glasses. Like, it's such a small excuse. Like, there's, he doesn't even lose it or he doesn't even think it's something else. No, he just forgets about it. And then they become huge idiots and they become targeted and they don't understand what's going there's on and they're all just running around. Happening like a snooker. So, oh like, my god, uh, the <laughs> snooker thing. It's introduced, by the way, in a way that made me think, like, is this guy meant to be famous? And then I looked a lot on my MDB. He's not even that. So... That whole I, sequence. I, I did think that as well. I did think that. I'm, yeah, I'm not a snooker, I'm not a snooker guy. I'm not either, snooker, I don't yeah. know anything. So. But he and did. Also, it, it did it would have been like snooker at the time. So that would have been a very deep cut, you know, like the kind of the kind of cameo that would have made sense and got people talking, be like, oh, this guy's in this movie. But like, after it that, you feel like it felt it. like the producers were like, we finally bagged the Stuka guy. Let's, you know, let's put it in the film and let's make the most yeah. of it. <laughs> so. Nonsense. Um, but yeah, so there's that whole sequence. And meanwhile, um, we get introduced to other characters. So while this is happening, that's when Cynthia Rothrock appears at yeah. the. Um, at the airport, where she's introduced after some guy uh, tries to pass through. Again, in a comedic way, because he's trying to be a white guy when he's obviously, well, very much not white. So that doesn't work. Um, oh, wait, wait. Are we but, talking about Eddie Meyer? Um, yes. Eddie yes. Meyer. Okay. So he's actually half Chinese and half English. Oh, sure. does he? Okay. Half, okay. Never yeah, mind. Yeah. But I don't know. But yeah, he, he, I, the I don't way know. he acts, it was like he, the way he's shot, you, he, he, he looks like he's almost told to be like, "Can you be a bit cross-eyed?" Like it's like that's the guy. It, the, he, like he, what? The way he, when he pulled off his glasses, his his eyes like widened. You know, guys. Yeah, it's, like, it's even worse. Like it's like I'm trying to be discreet. Like we can tell you. That know, actor. I mean, just a note. Just a note on that actor. He's actually like. He's one of those actors who always plays bad guys or heavies in right. movies. He hasn't been in a lot of films. I think like seventeen films to his credit. He actually uh, he actually passed away. So R.I.P. He's so oh. he passed away two thousand nineteen from a heart disease. So R.I.P. Sucks. But Eddie but Eddie Meyer, um, he's been in some really decent action films. Actually, he does a really good job in this. Yeah, his first role. You know what? There's actually a lot of firsts. It's it's Michelle Yeoh's first you know action film. It's Cynthia Rothrock's first action film or first film period. It's Eddie Meyer's actually first role in in action oh, film wow, as far well, okay. as I'm concerned as well. So it's it's kind of, there's a lot of firsts in this film actually. And so. the way also the whole scene is shot is really really interesting because like the whole choreography when he, they try to arrest him and it doesn't work. When he runs away, they also do a shot from above, like he, he goes oh, through yeah. the window, and then the shot is actually taken from above the window. So I thought, like, yeah. wow, you that's a lot of effort for just that 
very quick shot. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's very well, like the choreography is really, really good um, in that whole scene, which is essentially meant to be introducing Cynthia Rothrock, who, when she shows up, like, and that's also a thing that I noticed when she does her moves, Michelle Yeoh, they don't need to slow down her move. But because Cynthia Rothrock, she's a martial artist, like a real one, not a, a movie action <laughs> martial artist. Yeah. Well, and also because I think Michelle Yeoh, because she also has the experience of being a trained ballet, uh, like ballet dancer, she probably can slow down her move a lot more and she's ready to, you know, to be shown her move in front of the camera. Cynthia Rothrock, on the other hand, they have to do slow-mo every time she kicks someone. Yeah. And those kicks, they don't seem fake. They really yeah, feel like yeah, yeah. somebody got re- kicked really hard with this one because they really have to slow it down for people to see it. Otherwise, it would have been a blink and you miss it than the guys on the floor. Um, they even play her a bit for off because at some point there's a shot of her, like, and you see her face, and then she kicks the guy, and you only see her leg next to her face, oh, yeah. which yeah. I don't think is feasible, I physically. Look, I, I, you, know, I, you know what? That's actually quite common. If you get that type of shot, it's most likely going to be a fake leg, actually. Because it's like... Yeah, I would it's imagine. Not, it's, not to say, it's not to say that, that she couldn't do the actual move, but it's like... I, I, sometimes when you pull that cert, pull a certain move that you can do, it just doesn't read particularly right with the camera. You know, you have oh, to like sort. Absolutely. So I, I you was, know, it, no, go on. I was actually watching um, the other day. So Red Letter Media is a channel that talks about very bad movies, and they always talk about um, what's called as um, black shirt, uh, black tent tops movies, and it's generally people who are real martial artists they have their own dojo or they have you know they they're strong guys but they're extremely badly shot because they they're guys that want to showcase how strong they are but yeah. it looks terrible on camera so oh, yeah, movies yeah, yeah. are always awful but when you see like somebody who's a real action star being shot well very well then that's different you know they don't have to show it's, exactly what she's doing all the time yeah because it's, it's, it's she's not there to it's the choreographers, you know, exactly. it's the choreographers, you know, it's like a lot of the times, you know, martial artists who go to like Hong Kong to actually f- do action films, you know, choreographers like really break them down. Like, listen, we don't give a shit about, you know, what you can, we, you know, mm. we know what you can do, but, you know, we don't give a shit about, you know, what you want to like put in your in the film or represent you know this is our choreography so you kind of you have to like sort of move by our rules and uh which, and which is fair enough because absolutely. you know it, and it's coming like, back to michelle Yeo, the fact that she learned ballet it actually yeah. and that's a background that is very frequent it, yes. it seems for a lot of uh women acting oh in, yeah in uh, action movies like another is like her yes. replacement cynthia khan um i say you Replacement, but she was essentially a replacement in the subsequent sort of like in the Lion Duty films. Also came from a dance background, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. So it's like so, I think yeah, a lot of them do have if, that kind of training. And even Kara Hui, uh, which I mentioned, who was in My Young Artie, she primarily came from a dance background. Uh, I believe. Yeah, so actually. they all have that background, which makes it more palatable. Well, not palatable, but more adaptable for movies and doing action scenes because you don't have to kick necessarily super super hard you have to do the right 
amount of strength at a specific point in time for this to look good on the camera. You're not and really you thought, fighting. It looks well, amazing, uh, but so one thing that uh, I've you know I noticed is that the camera loves straight lines. So it's like it's not necessarily how high you can kick. It's like your leg has to be straight, you know. Yeah. You know, for the camera to actually read it and read it well, and it's like, and for it to really look good, and that's that's actually one thing's I one thing I actually notice is that cameras love straight lines, and if you can make, you know, if you can kick, you know, with a, a straight leg, you know, with a certain amount of power, and you know, and you know, with a certain amount of like, I guess flair, you know, aesthetic flair. Mm. You're, you're fine you don't necessarily have to be like oh you have to like kick this person as hard as possible no i mean they will tell you to because frankly the choreographer will tell you to like, actually kick the other person harder because you know if you want to see impact correctly then yeah they will tell you but generally speaking you know there are other nuances in the choreography that generally you know martial people who are really good at martial arts but not necessarily good at filmmaking just won't understand you know especially yeah, that's... now a lot now it's actually a lot better <laughs> i feel like a lot you know right now choreography has come a long way is that we have come we have come more smarter in terms of like oh you know that's how you you know do martial arts screen fighting and all that stuff so. well and you sort of have a lot more cuts nowadays whereas yeah. this movie doesn't have that much cuts like yeah, that's... a full break like a full shot can be just a few seconds but in that few seconds, they do a lot of moves that, yeah, that yeah, yeah. still require a lot of precision and a lot of exact moments where you just go through this, you go through that, then somebody kicks you with a chair, and then you still kick back. That's just a few seconds, but it's still uninterrupted with any cuts. And the, the rhythm in this movie, and it's particularly also visible with the way, like the cartoonish side of that we yeah. talked about with the, those three stooges, is that the rhythm in the movie, the, in the editing, is so strong throughout this whole movie. And really, the, the director um, did a brilliant job in making sure that, you know, you constantly, the story moves forward constantly, uh, but also, like, the way the, the choreography are made really always pushes the story forward. It's never, it's never gratuitous. It's really, yeah. really, really extremely well thought out. So Corey went really brilliant job. Sad that he didn't do that much stuff afterwards, or at least he didn't seem to have done that much action movies. Uh, his no, no, he, isn't as big really? as I thought it would be. Okay, uh, no, he's definitely done stuff. Unless IMDb is just having. I mean, record- he's he's done he's done things. I just imagine they had a lot bigger career after this. Uh, than, oh, I see. Than like, 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 I think he had a. I think he had a pretty respectable career. I think it. Uh, it's. I think uh, I. You probably say that because a lot of people, let's say, you know, Yung Wu Ping, you know, he's like, he's not like, he's doing, yeah. you know, he's known around the world for his Matrix films and the Crouching Tiger. I think with Corey Yun, he has worked in American films, but they tend to be like B movies. Like if you look at right. his American output, you can see that. I guess there is a sense that most of his American output has been like akin to straight to video or DVD yeah. affair. So like he directed like. Like Jason Statham's Transporter, like I love that film. You know, I I do find mm. I do find it to be an entertaining film. But that was directed by Corey Yun. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. So and, okay. and he did, and he did, and he did, he did that Dead or Alive <laughs> film. Oh my god, <laughs> really? The the one based on the on the video games, video game, on the video games. Oh yeah, god. exactly. So in terms yeah, of like his American, really yeah. 
like and he also he action choreographed all of the american jet league films so he did roam my sky oh, okay. well, one, you know what Kiss i take back i take it back i was completely wrong then because yeah that's definitely a big cv i was expecting probably a bigger bigger number of movies but yeah he, he he's has made his, but he he's did right he did that. he did he did she shoot straight you know so you know oh, he's, 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 okay well oh, yeah he, that was also him as well so yeah, he, 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 he has a respectable career but he i don't think you know in terms of like western audiences knowing his work i don't think he's like he's not like oh yeah remember you were ping when you did that i think he's not he's not there in the people in the people's sort of like cultural zeitgeist which to be fair but he should be he should be i think he should be yeah because he's actually with the cv you just named like he definitely should be yeah Um, yeah and i was gonna say yeah go ahead No, 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 no. Going back to what you mentioned, you know, how the film like begins to be when it starts, it feels like a like a crime thriller. I feel like the airport scene is when the film starts becoming more of a like a martial arts fight action when you introduce it. A bit more, yeah, a bit more. Yeah, because that that was like the big standout fight or like one of the big standout fights. And it's like, well, you know, we've changed we switched gears, you know, kind of thing. So Yeah, true. Um then there's also Parts where the cartoonish side with the three guys becomes a bit more actiony. Um, there's a whole scene also where they're being chased by a motorcycle. Um, yes, and that feels more like a Yakuza video game uh, yeah. bit where you'd have like QTs everywhere, where it's like, oh, run away from the from, from the bicycle and then move on this <laughs> when side. I was, when I was watching that, I was like. There was, if I there was a video game, I would like I could see the points where the QTEs would actually appear. I was exactly, like, Press yeah. Y, you know, to yeah. dodge this. <laughs> yeah, those movies are a big influence on QTEs because that's exactly what you want to do is like participate in those scenes and be like, hey, what could I do if I was in a video game? Where you, and it's also and it's, while also holding on to that cinematic flair, you know, kind of thing. So I could see like, yeah, I could see, like people who did the Yakuza films watching these films and be like, oh, I want to lift. Oh, hundred percent. Um, so after that, we kind of move to less. So the the two storyline with the cartoon and Michelle Yeoh and Sikia Rothrock at some point um, like collide um, and kind of go like Sikia Rothrock and Michelle Yeoh never become too comedic, but then that's when the three stooges become more serious. Yeah, and that's when the movie starts to become a bit strange in some aspect, which will lead to the conclusion. Um, yeah, uh, which I think is the part of this movie where you think, "Why did you think this was a good idea to finish this movie this way?" Um, coming back actually to before we move to that part, um, the movie actually is co-written by uh, Barry Wong, who did yeah. the screenplay for Hard Boiled and Twin Dragon. So yeah. You know, yeah, pretty really good CV, and you can see his influence on this. But then it was actually also a script. Got... It was actually a script. Like Hong Kong, I, I have to like you know sort of preface this is that generally speaking, Hong Kong cinema when they make films, particularly action films, they actually don't have a script ready. They tend to like have like maybe they write as they go along they have an outline right. and they just write the dialogue as they sort of go along but apparently for this film they actually had a, like a full-blown script so oh wow okay they, they must have like changed it but having knowing hong kong they must i i imagine them that changing it along the way anyway so in a way i don't know so in a way i think it doesn't really make much of a difference because the movie has two credits so there's barry Wong, but there's also james klaus who only has one credit yeah on imdb like it's his only thing and maybe i'm 
maybe I'm thinking not thinking correctly, but it feels like when we'll come to the ending, that was his idea, and that's why he never worked with anything after because <laughs> it's such a stupid idea. I'm thinking, yeah, you gotta fight after that. And then people were like, yeah, you don't work with this guy. It was it, like, do you remember this movie? It was great, except for that part. Yeah, well, that was his part. Like, <laughs> that's that's what it feels like. Um, but yeah, so the movie come, starts, like, the two storylines kind of collide. Um, and then, despite the fact that those three stooges are always there for the comic relief, at some point... At some point, they actually start creating problems for themselves and for like for the exactly and, and that's then, where that's where my sort of sympathies or what like with the uh, kind of like dwindled like when they you know found when they actually found the sort of like the the um the the little microfilm and it's like all of a sudden because you know throughout the film uh Choi Hark's character and Meng Hoi's character were quite contentious and all of a sudden they're like oh they're buddy buddy because they could actually like get money from this sort of like microfilm so they're gonna like somehow scam the the crime boss to actually you know <laughs> yes. like a big payout the crime boss we forgot to mention also that the crime boss every time he shows up laughs yeah, like he's a movie villain. So obviously he evil. is a movie so villain. Evil, but there's no point for your character every time he appears on screen to laugh to the point where at the end of the movie he actually says, "Oh yeah, I have a very big laugh." Like yeah. it's like it's very self-aware. It's like, yeah, I know it's I like laugh this, all the time, but that's just don't terrible. mind me. <laughs> yeah, this is such a terrible excuse for like, yes, our character is evil and he had one characteristic, which is he has money and he has a big laugh. But that's, um, you know what, that's that's a very commercial decision. I imagine that's a very commercial decision because in Hong Kong, they don't, for the most part, Hong Kong people don't, they don't like rich people and they especially don't like rich people who are like fucking arrogant so to them it's like to actually see that type of character of course right. they're gonna like that's the character we hate so it's it's touching on like this i guess the hong kong uh, you know the, the hong kong sort of cultural zeitgeist if you will because you know, okay it's like, that makes sense people who watch these films are quite uh, i guess i don't know for the most part i guess you know those are popular like, movies they're meant for popular, everyone yeah, it's meant for it's 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 the widest appeal, and you know, and sometimes you know, most of the audience probably come from like working class or even working class backgrounds. I I don't know if a middle class background would actually exist back then, but you know, even then, if you even you're doing well, you're still gonna be like, I hate really, I really hate yeah, I hate those fucking assholes yeah. because they, he represents essentially the one percent anyway, and you and, and expect them to be. In Chinese, in Cantonese, they kind of whole tune basically means very like very arrogant. So, so just full of yourself, you know, kind of as if you're just because you have money, you're untouchable kind of thing, you know. And they just and to represent it with a villain, you know, of course, you know, <laughs> the audience will be like, yeah, fuck him up, yeah, kind of thing. So in that case, coming back to our villain. He has yes. two main guys with him. He has yes. the man we mentioned earlier who uses yes. apples as a silencer. <laughs> so a very trained a, and highly skilled hire for killer. Yes. But what's the deal with the man with the huge moustache that looks like he's and, a, and a huge eyebrow? 
Yeah, Fidel Castro impersonator with a big knife is what I call him. I'm not even yeah. sure he has a name in the movie. He just shows up, and you're supposed to think. He's oh, I'm gonna, like I'm just gonna name him with. Um, I'm gonna name him the. Uh, basically, uh, we're gonna. I'm just gonna um, name him his actor's name because that's pretty much every, how everyone is actually named in this film. So Dick Way is actually named, I believe, Dick in the film. So Chung Fat most likely gonna be like, oh. Chung or fat, you know, guy, I think. So yeah. it's like, yeah. But he's, again, he's like a, the actor, he's a, he's a well known stunt guy uh, during like the 80s. Actually, you've seen him before, you know. Do you have, you know, the film Encounters of a Spooky Kind? Yes. So he's the guy who plays the Taoist priest that helps Sama Hung's character to... Oh, actually... really? Yeah, yeah, you don't quite recognise him because of all the fucking facial hair, but that's the same actor, actually. He's wow. actually a well-known actor, and he's actually he's, pretty... He, he's good. He's yeah, good. He's great, yeah. He's spooky kind, because yeah, in Yes, yeah. Madam, I think his only, lot, his only director's uh, direction was probably, like, just, just ham it up. Yeah, like, whatever you're top. thinking for this character, just make it more cartoonish. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, exactly. got, you have a knife. It's a big knife. You have this moustache. You figure it out. Yeah, um, that that is all you had. Um, I wouldn't be surprised as you were mentioning the script to be you know evolving on a day to day basis. That it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, they could have just introduced him like on day four. Nobody had met him before. Somebody called him up because they thought like, hey, we have two lead actresses. And then there's only one henchman. Let's add an, let's add an henchman in there. And then yeah, you've got yeah, this I wouldn't guy. Be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. And he, be he's fine for what he is, for, the, for what he does. You know, he's, he doesn't really have... I mean, he, there's there's the no problem least, with him. At the very least, he delivers on the action. You know, Absolutely. Kind of Say what you want about his performance i actually don't mind to be honest with you because it's oh, yeah, no, like... no. the performance is no problem it's just the way he's dressed up is just so all over the place like he really looks like he's like a south american um like warlord who just flew from there and then they have a deal with this rich guy and then like that's that's kind of what i'm making up in my mind where i saw yeah. him i was like wait like is he being hidden by this guy yeah. and like in exchange for defending him maybe he gets a deal on the guns or whatever like it's it's strange but what's really important when we reach this part of the movie is the fact that we soon see we start to see before the final action scene we yeah. see the whole um mansion of the rich guy and it's yeah. essentially full of things you can break like yeah. that's essentially the interior design is like the room in ikea when you can buy the things that can break like if they introduce lots it of, to you is like do you want to break something like there's a lot of glass see this table where you know there's small legs and then the, the middle is quite soft so you could push somebody in there if you want to buy things you, you can that can break easily when you for your fight scenes. That's where you go, and um, like they fill the room with stuff you can break, and it's so funny seeing it for the first time because you immediately think like, okay, the fight, the final fight scene is there. Like it's yeah. so obvious. Um, well, then this came out. It, it's great. Oh, sorry, yeah. Well, this came out the same year as Police Story, and uh, that too also had like a final. Like actually, where there's like four glass breaking and like four oh, objects breaking. Oh God, yeah. So, they they go to more for that. They they go yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah. to the IKEA where they sell it. They go like, <laughs> yeah. don't even deliver oh, it. 
Yeah, we're we'll just going to come to you place. guys. <laughs> yeah, we come to you, and whatever you got that we can break, we'll break it. We'll throw people through this. Like, yeah. no problem. How many do you have? Five? Great. We can do five takes. Um, th- th- this really makes you think, actually, this whole scene. I mean, obviously, it happens in every movie, but you think how much stuff you need to buy in advance like how much spare tables how much spare mirrors do you have to get to make to on your movie set to be like if this doesn't work the first time we can do it a second time but like we only have three of those so after that we have to change or we have to keep those shots where they don't necessarily look good you'd be surprised how economical hong kong films are they 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 run a really tight budget. Even the big budget productions, they run a really tight budget. So I imagine, I mean, this being a big film, this is actually quite a big film for DMB, the uh, the production that actually sort of put this together. Um, so I imagine they like put a, like a lot of money behind this. And he has Summer Hung as producer as well. So, you know, and he's quite like, at this point, he was very well established. So I wouldn't yeah, be so- surprised if they put some money. Having said that, they're still gonna be like, okay, we have to like be really careful. Like, you know, we have we still have limited resources. Yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah, because right? there's least- a lot of really notable shots in the final fight scene. Like, um, Cynthia Rothrock Roth jumps from one floor to another in slow motion. Then yeah. there's another guy that falls from the higher floor and hurts his back, oh, and they God. actually replay it yeah, in, during it the, the credits. With, hits his head hits the ground first. I was like, "How is I've, he alive?" That yes, I've seen gigs where the singer just like jumped and fall, fell on his back on the on the barrier that was in yeah. front of the stage. Yeah. I yeah. you know the gig didn't last very long after that. You know, it's you have to get some help. So that must yeah. have hurt. And the fact that you replay it in slow mo makes me think like yeah, it's a, such an impressive moment that we have to like, give you credit and also yeah. have to pay the hospital bill because you're not getting out of this uh, yeah. without any any stitches. Oh, yeah. Well, Cynthia Rothrock um, during the fight uh, with Dick Way, apparently Dick Way kicked her in the head so hard that her internal ears split and started bleeding. Oh, <laughs> so Jesus. Like, yeah, that's a quarter that's a quarter to Rothrock, you know, in her like sort of like I think she was like she has um you know for you listeners out there, you know, she does have like a YouTube channel and one of the YouTube videos she actually talks about her experiences in Yes Madden. So yeah, oh, I, wow. I go check it out. Yeah, I suggest everyone to go check it out. But yeah, according at one point, you know, Dick Way like Dick Way is actually one of those fighting martial arts actors that if you want to be if you want to be in an action film most likely you're going to fight this guy because he's known to be playing like bad guy bad guy roles and right. like heavies and you know and you're always going to like whenever you see him you're always going to get like at least a decent fight you know at the very We're talking least. about a big mustache guy right no, 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 we're talking about the other guy. Sorry, Dick okay, Wade, the other guy, silent, silent, Apple Silence, so, uh, big, Apple big, Silence, uh, big exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. Uh, who fights Cynthia yeah. Rothrock? Kind of he thing, does so. at some point, I think, kick her and then apologizing, like it <laughs> apologizes <laughs> to her, and then she, she kicks him, like yeah. kicked her which, in the never regions, which I'm like, I, I yeah, <laughs> I was like, to, all right. It's funny. It's fun for this this particular moment because it keeps it keeps up with the theme of people making sexist comments at any point to those actresses and then or those yeah. well, those two cops and then then immediately just turning back and going like yeah I 
have no time for you. I just, I'm I, just yeah, I love your reaction because yeah, because going back to that line, it was like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, and then Timothy Rothfuss kicks him back. I was like, oh, I'm sorry too, but I did mean it, kind of thing. To come back to uh, not injuries, but at some point, Michelle Yeoh does get hit in the breast, and you, that's a slow mo yeah. moment. So you can tell, she like, and, yeah, yeah, she, yeah, it's and, real. It's not, and yeah, thing. it's like I don't know. I don't think she was padded when I was like looking at that. Scene. Like, know. you know, what I mean? because it's quite a thin shirt. She's she's not wearing it like a jacket. It's like quite, it's just a shirt and like like a loose tank top over a shirt. Yeah, so, so it's like most likely she really took it. Like, yeah, just, I mean, and that must hurt. I and mean, then kudos to that, she's, Yeah, and then she's thrown through a, ta- a table in slow motion. But I, then after I that, wonder- she does it. She does a double kick through through the stairs. So it's basically those the two guys that she was fighting just like get on the floor yeah. um, immediately but really like those those moments where you think like oof that's that that looks rough like i know it's a movie and people could take their breath after this but that looks splendidly rough yeah 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 <laughs> but so you like the ending then <laughs> Great ending, though. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> it's so beautiful. They did, like, they pull all the punches. They really make sure that, you know, you get your money's worth before you leave the cinema. Um, yeah. And it really is really one of the be- most beautiful uh, moments of the movie, which, and we can talk probably about the ending. Uh, if people oh, want yeah. to skip that, I'm sure we won't last too long on this. But, like, if you want to skip, like, probably Spoiler. five minutes ahead, yeah. if you don't it want did, to it, spoil it, for the to ending. To be fair, it's, it's quite, yeah, it does come out of almost nowhere, you know. Kind Completely, of because previously Tsuihara characters died. Yeah. And you almost think at the end, oh, he's going to come back. Because they were idiots during the whole movie. Surely yeah, 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 he's yeah. going to come back. And he doesn't. And then the... Guy he was friend with, at least the guy he was teaming up with, uh, learns that Tsuyak is dead, and then gets a gun and then shoots the main villain and yeah, kills yeah. him. Because it, which, it's a down, it's a it's a downer ending because you know that because at that we let just rewind a bit. You know they managed to get the microfilm that would actually take down the crime boss, but unfortunately Dick Way's character took the microfilm and just literally just. But incinerated yeah. it through a light bulb. In, so. in a video game, that would be the bad ending, essentially. Yeah, you'd think like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's, it's totally, the, it's totally the bad ending, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, well, the only thing they're gonna get, he's gonna get his come out with is if they actually took the, if the, and that, you know what? Come to think of it, I wonder that was that was always the case with those uh, with the three Stooges characters. It's like that you they were meant to end like like yeah they you want they want it because yeah well the thing is yeah okay so here's the thing about Hong Kong cinema is that you know how particularly these films is that sometimes there's like two endings shot and there are times where and depending on the market you have to like reshoot certain endings uh, okay. based on like the actions because you can't for example the, the big big thing is that you can't have your hero break the law. Right, you know, essentially. So, okay, there are times where you know the original ending. You have the hero actually take down the bad guy, and it's great. But you know, but we can't he still have gets arrested. You have to show him getting arrested, or have you know some? You have to like show that the law is still you know number one kind of thing. In mm. this film, it's actually a bit weird in the sense that 
we actually find that it, it's such a downer because you know now we you know prior to the crime boss getting shot it's like there's absolutely no way he's going to go down the crime boss you know kind of thing because they have no evidence absolutely you know, they have no evidence yeah they you know the good guys are going to get arrested or uh, or and the michelle yo and cynthia rothrock character they're going to get like punished in some way shape or form for actually sort of like essentially trespassing and actually causing destruction you know kind of thing and yeah uh, so it is so, it is and, kind of... and and in a way and so it's a downer ending and you know and how we're going to get how are we going to get the crime boss going to get his confidence? Well, he has to get shot. He has to die from someone. And it can't be the cops because you can't show the cops actually breaking the law. So you have to show the civilians. And I feel like the the, the comedic trio is kind of like, I think that that was meant to be like, well, you know, we can't show cops shooting though. So let's have the buffoonery characters actually doing the shooting. You know, that way, you know, it leaves. Right. Because we know that they're going to go to prison anyway, or they're going to have a bad ending anyway. So, at the so end it's of not it, meant they, to be the bad ending. It's supposed to be the the justice ending, the dramatic. It's the dramatic ending. I don't know if it's. I think it's still definitely a bad ending. But it's like yeah. at the very least, we don't show Michelle Yeoh or and Cynthia Rothrock's characters actually committing the acts because otherwise, mm. that's actually a, in Hong Kong. I guess the Hong Kong market's eyes. That's that. That's a completely no go. The you know um, there's um. There's another film that's kind of similar um, called Tai Cage 2, which stars Don Yen. And in okay. the, the original ending, Don Yen fights Robin Shu, you know, the same, who's mm. Liu Kang from Mortal Kombat. And okay. he, he, he wins. And, you know, and he, you know, and, you know, he saves the day. But unfortunately, he, you know, you know, in some markets, that's, that, that can't be, he actually, the Don Yen character actually like sort of, well, he doesn't kill him, but you know he died. the 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 main um, the main bad guy dies from Rosamund Kwan's character, who's also a civilian. They had to replace the ending for the Taiwanese market or the export market with uh, Cynthia Kam having the fight, taking the lion's share of the fight scene, and actually having her arrest Robin Shu's character, not kill really? the guy, Robin Shu's character, because you have to show cops upholding the law, you know. I think Police right. Story also went through a sort of a similar sort of um, procedure in terms of like, re, you know, reshot endings for the Japanese market as well. They have to show Jackie Chan actually getting punished for at least, you know, destruction of a of a shopping mall. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, that's the kind of thing. To be fair, and uh, if you were missing the... the if, you, if you had to skip all the spoilers, I think, at this point, you can start listening again. Um, but yeah, to be fair, um, in a lot of action, American action movies, um, nobody's punished. You know, oh, like, yeah. the, the, the kind of damage that's caused by Eddie Murphy's character in The Ladies Cop, and then basically somebody raises his fist and goes like, Ooh, okay, ooh. and it's like, well, you can't get him. He caused massive destruction in the city. He shouldn't have a badge anymore. He's a terrible cop, even if he did sort of the right thing by murdering all those people. Um like that 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 never seems to be a problem so again the the ending is a bit strange for for yes madam but in a way it kind of sort of makes sense um so overall i think it's a really really good movie i think yeah, i really it's like not I, I, perfect. You know, I, it's it's definitely not perfect and there were you know it's funny because um 
I've I've looked at some of like the recent reviews of Yes Madam. Um, well, the reviews from two thousand, and you know, a lot of the criticism is actually was actually leveled at the the comic relief. It's kind of like yeah. for them, it, it it felt like a totally different film. It's like why why are we focusing on these three characters? Because they do get the lion's share of the, like the screen time. If you think about it, in terms of screen yeah, time, absolutely, like, yeah, they get like a they get just as much screen time as Michelle Yeoh and Sylvia Rockra. And you know, a lot of people they're just not as memorable as them. Essentially, not, exactly, they're not as memorable. And you know, and I guess it's like we're here to see Michelle Yeoh and Sylvia Rockra. Why are we looking at these three guys, you know, kind of thing? So, you know, a lot of people are kind of, are somewhat befuddled by that part of the film, you know. Yeah, like, this is not what people expect when they, they watch this movie. And even in the, the cover that was remade for the reissue by um, Eureka, uh, yeah. which is a really, really beautiful um, cover. But Cynthia Rothrock and Michel Yeoh are the front. Um, you see them actually twice on the cover, either holding a gun or in an attack pause or fighting. Yeah, and then yeah. those three stooges are in the background. So even when you buy the DVD nowadays, like the movie definitely doesn't give you the impression that you got to have three idiots uh, take part in this whole story for as much as they do. But yeah, that's that's what you get. Um, but despite that, even knowing that, um, rewatching it because I had watched it, like I downloaded it um, illegally through me. Um, about uh, <laughs> hey, you bought few... the Blu-ray eventually. You bought exactly, the Blu-ray eventually. That's exactly, what matters, you know. Kind of that's exactly what matters. That's that's why people get Blu-rays is to get them in, <laughs> yeah. in a better format. And then um, yeah, um, at rewatching it, I found it much better actually, than the first time watching it, because I kind of knew what to expect. So I hope people who will be watching it for the first time after listening to us uh, will have the same experience, because, you know, once you know what you're going to get, um, you can focus your attention on the parts that really matters, and then the part that matters less, where you can just enjoy them for what they are. And I, particularly, I, I, like, the more cartoonish elements, I mean, they are still very funny moments. There are some funny. I mean, you have to like. I think one thing I have to like remind like people, listeners out there, is that this was a very commercial film for more than one reason, actually. And it's it's producers, it's the producers in many ways covering their backs in terms of like audience appeal, because it's like we have female action stars and we want to launch this. Uh, we want to launch Michelle Yeoh as this action icon. That's a great incentive. But you know, they also have like they want to like give. I, I guess give the audience the familiar. So hence the over the top comedy, the the Three Stooges type character, the male characters that they you know you know it's kind of like because you know it. In many ways, it was like a risky venture, I suppose. You know, kind of thing. But yeah, it is ultimately, ultimately, it is a very commercial film and it's like you can see like the cogs working i was like oh that's meant to be appealing to that part of the audience and so on so on so forth go yeah definitely it's it's very obvious that and you said it actually in the intro that's that you know that whole uh hong kong industry is really meant to be movies that are supposed to be consumed and kind of forgotten after so for a movie that's actually made with that mindset of we don't really care if you know, it's rough around the ages. It's a very, very good film yeah, because the amount of time that's spent really on this, probably not as much as any contemporary movie that's made with a 
bigger budget mm. and they don't get you know they, they do get things wrong a lot of time whereas mm. this gets things right quite a lot mm. um so you know they do a really really good job overall uh for something that's meant to be done in probably just a couple of weeks a couple of months yeah. well apparently this the, the production schedule according to rothrock uh was like apparently six or seven months which is like ridiculous. Oh, that's not. Yeah, that's really long. Okay, so, and that entire se- and final sequence was like one month. I may have like go. Maybe I'm overstepping. Six or seven months sounds a bit too long. I have to like double check that. But that's what I remember in her interview. Her in her interview. I that's why. I, that's the number I remember her saying. So, but that seems okay, well, too long. That you know, would, that would make sense though. You could see then. You know, the six and seven months for sure. Um, yeah. because okay so here's the thing because i think a lot of that reason is not necessarily the production itself hong kong films are like prolific when it comes to its output so there are like the stars or some of the actors will be working on multiple projects and something mm. like, you know you, there will be there will be times that well we have to wait for this actor to actually just return from another sort of production that they're actually working on right, right now like um i think during <laughs> during um Jackie Chan, I remember when Jackie Chan made Police Story, he was like, even during the time when he was making that final fight scene in the uh, in the shopping mall, and he and he had to like jump all down the 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 was it the the pole, you know, down to like the very the ground, that big stunt, well, the, the big stunt moment at the end. Mm. He had to all he 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 like he fainted you know he was like he should be he was oh, like God. he was badly beaten but then he was like yeah we have okay after we're done we're gonna go and like shoot hard the dragon like the next <laughs> thing i'm like what's going on what's yeah. happening so so yeah hong kong you know the the talent pool in like hong kong cinema at that time were insane they clearly didn't have a hr department or a health and safety department <laughs> i mean well, we'll probably in further episodes we'll talk about that but it's clear yeah. from the injuries that we mentioned for the final fight that there's always been and that's i mean unfortunately it has to be said i i think it's part of the charm um is that i mean hopefully nobody dies you know but Michel Yeo talks about it in the interview that's in the bonus of, of the reissue by Eureka and yeah, yeah. when she talks about it she talks about particularly a fight a scene in um, Police Story 3 when she came back to Hong Kong um, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then uh, that's basically because she was thinking of her acting she missed uh, a jump and then she ended up with like some broken maybe not a broken leg but I think some pretty big injury yeah, yeah. so what happened what, yeah, I, know th- I know the film you're talking about it I don't think it was police story. I think it was uh, a gum uh, stunt woman. It was a film directed by Anne Hui, and it was like, and because it was dire- Anne Hui is more less of an action film director and more of like yeah, yeah. Uh, she well, she did some really really beautiful movie, but it's yeah. the anecdotes in particular. I really remember it being on uh, police story three, but there might have been more injuries elsewhere. Yeah, not- yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Apparently, it's like um, she fell. At, she, no, she was meant to do Michelle Yeoh was meant to do like a stunt. And she was meant to jump off like a ledge down like uh, onto the ground, but she didn't jump. She was pushed <laughs> by someone. <Hung. Oof. laughs> uh, and so she wasn't like, she. I, I guess it took, and you know, jumping off a ledge and being pushed off the ledge is like very different thing. So I imagine when she, la- when apparently when she landed, her leg hit the back of her head. Oh god. I don't know how, like it's almost like a scorpion type like a tail kind of 
still. And then, and you know, that something must have happened with her back that she just like she just couldn't get up, you know, kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I get I, 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 my memory about that interview is very hazy, but I seem to remember it's like, yeah, that's that's pretty nasty. That's pretty horrifying. Um, coming back also to um, Yes Madam for Michelle Yeoh, she didn't speak uh, Chinese because uh, she's Malaysian. Yeah. So she didn't yeah. speak uh, Chinese for this movie, so she had to yeah. be fed her lines, which yeah. when I learned this after watching the movie, felt like that kind of explained why, you know, physical acting is no problem. When she says her line, they, she says this in a way that's... Well, it seems okay, so, less natural than the uh, co-actors. So here's the thing. No, 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 I here's the thing. The the what you're hearing right now is probably an, uh, another actress. So in Hong Kong cinema at the time, um, everything was shot silent. Everything was shot silent. Right. Dubbed the voices later on, most for the most part by a different actress. So I don't believe the voice you're hearing is actually Michelle Yeoh's voice. And you think I, there's you know, somebody else? It, I believe it's someone else because if you look, if you listen to Michelle Yeoh's like real voice, she has these, she has a very uh, silky, you know, quite, I wouldn't say deep voice, but she has a very like, there's a... No, she has, she, she does definitely sound higher pitched in, in, uh, in Yes Man. In, in Yes Man, yeah. And I, I, then, I, it's definitely another actress because if you, with um, Cynthia Rothrock, she was clearly dubbed. You know, kind of thing because apparently because she had she knew no yeah she didn't speak Chinese, Chinese, Chinese yeah, at all yeah exactly yeah. She so just, it, she it, probably it, just landed and were told like these are your lines good luck yeah oh yeah it was uh, apparently you know she was basically just speaking gibberish for most of the production and they right. were like telling her they were like telling Rough Rock oh as long as you look like you're saying something it's fine we can just dub over the the, the actual what you're actually right. saying with another person's voice so. I believe it's actually not um, Michelle Yeoh's voice. I, I have uh, uh, because you know she de- she it definitely sounds very different to, and that's like that's common in Hong Kong films, right? You know, I think well, it's it's least... only when you get like pr- actors who insist to have their act, uh, who insist to dub their own voices, like Chan Yong Fat being one of them. Yeah. Andy Lung insists that he should dub his own voice. Um, Andy Lau, you know. Uh, there are times where he dubs his own voice in certain films, uh, which is sometimes a bit jarring because I remember watching uh, God of Gamblers, and it's in you know Andy Lau's in that film, and he has a very different voice in that film. And then came the sequel, God of Gamblers Two, with Stephen Chow, and you know it's actually Andy Lau's voice, and it's totally different to the one that's under the right. And so it's kind that of like, yeah, it, it it just lacks a certain level of consistency, but it's like, I guess, you know, it's like, ah, whatever, you know. <laughs> I still yes. know, so it's like, yeah. Coherence in God of Gamblers movies is <laughs> not something we should complain about. The movie is based around showing fat who... <laughs> Yeah, basically is good at gambling. How does yeah. he do it? Nobody knows. He's magic. Show you that he's magic. That is <laughs> all you need to know for the whole movie. He shows up. He wins. How did he do it? Don't know. Magic. That's, yeah, magic. that's it. So yeah, like coherence in accents and voices. Yeah, that's ah, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah. So overall, a very 
very good movie. Um, all things considered, despite its yeah, I many I, flaws. You know what? I, I, yeah, it has been. I, the thing is, it, it's sequel, Royal Warriors. I've always preferred that film over Yes, Madam, because I feel like Royal Warriors is a much more confident film in terms of. Right. It, it's a more consistent viewing experience compared to Yes, Madam. And I feel like Yes, Madam, because it is a first film, it's, it's the producers kind of finding their feet and like, and, you know, being like, oh, let's experiment, but let's cover our backs with this you know side story if you look at Rory warriors it's a much more consistent viewing experience where you know in terms of you don't get the committee you get male characters but they're working side by side with the female character which is michelle yo so and it's like there's no back and forth between tones it's mm-hmm. actually just like it's just focusing on michelle yo and her character arc you know kind of thing and we do see a consistent like a through more of a through line with that film than yes madam but at the same time yes madam still a great film still a great watch so well, and Roy Warriors has actually been reissued by um, Eureka, so we, we yeah, might get also, to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, you also got the Blu-ray. I'm really jealous. I just, also like... had the Blu-ray for <laughs> yeah. Roy Warriors last time I was in France. Thank you for the Metaluna uh, shop in Paris for importing those Blu-rays. Uh, thank you so much. You're great. Um, oh, but yes, those those uh, Blu-rays are um, published by in the UK by Eureka, so you can get them pretty easily. Yeah. And um, the the I mean the Blu-ray edition has really got tons of um, of bonuses. The interview with Michel Yeo that I pulled some information from uh, were really interesting. Um, she really talked, you know, candidly about her experience in Hong Kong cinema, uh, her background, you know, coming from being at the Royal Academy in London and then being elected Miss, Miss Malaysia and then moving to Hong Kong cinema must have been quite a trip. Um, but yeah, so they really did a, a really, really good job with this uh, reissue, so I highly recommend it. If you want to discover this movie, it would be a, it's a really good occasion to do that. Yeah. And um, I don't know, side notes about the film, I just want to like just throw in some odd trivia. Um, the Hong Kong Film Awards, essentially the Oscars of Hong Kong, uh, it was actually nominated for a few things, actually. Was it? Uh, yeah, 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 it was actually nominated for Best Action Design, which is, you know, um, of course it did, but it lost to Police Story. Uh, well, which is, you know, fair enough, I think. Fair enough, <laughs> yeah. story. Uh, Michelle Yeoh got nominated for Best New Artist uh, okay. for the film as well, but lost to an act- uh, an actor or actress, uh, Chan Yun Lai, in, um, from the film Hong Kong Graffiti. Uh, i never seen the film. It, apparently okay. it's a drama film, but I, I've never seen it, heard of it. I, I, I don't think it's easy to get, so, uh, you know. Um... Uh, but this is an odd one for me. Um, it did win one award for okay. best supporting actor for Mang Hoi. Which wait, so one of the three Stooges? <laughs> yeah, so the three Stooges. So the Mang Hoi. So yeah, so it's the uh, it's so aspirin. Okay, yeah. okay, I, okay. I I do like Mang Hoi. I think he did a good job in the film, you know, and you know, and I think he, you know, he's he's great. You know, he's a really good stuntman, and you know, I, I think he's a nice sort of like character actor. But he won that award beating Lam Ting Ying for Mr. Vampire, which I think, which I thought, Lam Ting Ying must, considering how iconic that film is and how iconic Lam Ting Ying has become, you know, with, with those films, 
I kind of feel like you know, love you got a bit shot. Yeah, he's been stunned. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. terrible. That's that's. I mean, I was a bit like, were they? All right. I, I mean, oh, those very. I mean, no you always talk about the Oscars. I really, I like, yeah, or the Grammys. I mean, you know, sometimes <laughs> they give awards. You're like, really to that person because you also had that person that you actually nominated. That was just yeah. right here, but which is just weird. It's like award shows in a nutshell. Yeah, essentially. And that's why I'm kind of like, oh, I don't watch these things now because like, it's always like, all right, whatever. Um, yes, Madam did also go through a number of title changes. Uh, I mentioned one, Lil Strimp versus Whale. Again, still strange to my ears, but it's there you go. Extremely strange. Yeah, but when it was released uh, for the uh, the European markets, I don't know if it's uh, that included UK or uh US, but okay, so it was actually released under the title In the Line of Duty 2 Super Cops. Oh, yeah, in Germany, I know for a fact that it was released as Ultra Force 2, and then in the UK, I, th- I don't know if it was ever released in the UK prior to like the Hong Kong Legends release in the 2000s, but it, it was actually released under the title Police Assassins, which I thought was a bit like, oh, all right. That makes no sense. It's, yeah, exactly. It sounds it's like, like a different movie. It's, it, it sounds really like does. a sequel to American Ninja Warrior or something right, like this. Exactly. It sounds yeah, a bit like, like that right. makes no <laughs> even, sense. Even the, 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 the superimposed titles that actually lay over the original title looked a little rubbish on my DVD, so I was like, I'm just gonna go and just say that, you know. But anyway, um, but super, but going back to the two titles, Ultra Force Two and In the Line of Duty Two, there was it's you know people were like it's a sequel, even though it's Michelle Yeoh's first action film. So I mentioned Royal Warriors. So apparently, Royal Warriors was released first internationally, and it was renamed. In the line, in the line of duty one, and then they actually released Yes, Madam. Um, but because they released Royal War- uh, Warriors first, a la aka in the line of duty one, they figured, oh, let's just call Yes, Madam in the line of duty two, which is kind of like really confusing when you're trying to like research these films, you know, kind of thing, and trying to make sense of it. To be fair, none of the films. Up in uh, the two films are quite. They're only. They're not sequels by, like characters. They're, they're they're more like thematic sequels. I mean, Michelle Yeoh plays a totally different character in Royal Warriors anyway. So it doesn't really matter if you, in the grand scheme of things. It only starts to matter when you reach the third part in the Line of Duty Three, which, oddly enough, in Hong Kong they suddenly realize let's just call it in the Line of Duty Three. <laughs> let's not call it anything. Yeah. Else. Just a- <laughs> Yeah, make it more complicated than it already is. Well, here's the thing: it's like the Chinese title. They've only the Chinese title is what makes it the series. What makes it it's sort of like its series. So the first film is called Wanga Sijie, which Wanga means royal, um, basically referencing the royal Hong Kong police when it was under British colonially, and Sijie essentially means. I guess literally means elder sister or the uh, basically a matriarchal figure, and the Sida right. is essentially the female equivalent for Sifu, which you know if you know comfort films or whatever, Sifu means master, you know, kind of thing. So that's yeah. kind of, Sifu is basically the male 
sort of way of saying calling your your head basically yeah your headmaster and Cite is essentially the female equivalent so you know i guess the royal hong kong police may uh, but the elder sister of the royal hong kong police is basically what that means and that has been consistent through all the films in this particular series so you get the royal warriors you i think is actually it's actually called royal warriors in cantonese i can't remember it's one guy or something um but then they return to the title Wang in the third film, and then Wang so it's Wang which is three, and then Wang they say, you know, which is the fourth film, and so on and so forth, kind of thing. And there's yeah, like apparently trying like, to push those movies. <laughs> yeah, well, it's when Cynthia Khan actually sort of like took over the uh, role because after Michelle Yeoh took a brief stint of retirement, like she made like three action films, which is Yes Madam, Royal Warriors, and um Magnificent Warriors. And then retired and then were like, okay, Simply Khan will have to like take over that role. And they did in Line Do Three, which is Mongasi Zer De Sam. And onwards, I think there were like four more films in that series where she was actually the lead, you know, kind of right. So so yeah, uh so yeah, it, it's it's still a series, but I think it's more of a thematic series. Up yeah, to makes more sense there. Yeah. Cool. Do you want to add anything else? No, I think I, I think we've said everything that needs to be said. I I mean, definitely. I, I, I I I still I love I uh, I love the film you know I I love the film despite warts and all you know kind of thing and Michelle Yeoh is great. There's a reason why. You know, she has become an icon. You know, even yeah, to point. definitely, yeah. yeah. Especially well nowadays with everything everywhere all at once, where she got yeah. like all the awards, which is completely well deserved. She's up. Um, she's up for an Oscar. At the, I mean, at the at the point of this recording, she is she she's nominated in the Oscars. Possibly, right? yeah. But more importantly, well, more importantly, when she did her speech and then she almost got cut off, she mentioned. Um, you know, she kind of half threatened the person who tried to cut off when they played the music to make her say her speech more quickly. And uh, oh, she said, God. like, oh, I could kick your ass. If you want to know why she said this with such confidence and yeah. why most people in the room who knew her were like, yes, yes, she can definitely do that. Just watch, watch that film, movie. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you understand, you know, she might be just doing movie acting stunts, but I'm sure those yeah. kicks really really if really you get them in oh your face God. nowadays <laughs> so well that's a good place to conclude um your name is oh it's my name is bibu hui and my name is all uh you can find me on twitter at uh at also h-o-r-o-r-o um, do you have a Twitter or a website you want to promote yeah I have a I have a Twitter handle it's bronzebot at hk hang on let me just rephrase i just remember bronze i don't remember my twitter handle bronzebot.hk at gmail.com i do have a blog um that's i haven't really touched it in a while but i have written a lot of stuff uh some stuff for it like hong kong on essays on hong kong cinema so that's bronzebot.hk um or bronze bot bronze bot hk if you can find me on just search it on google i'm sure you find it um we'll put so yeah. we'll put a link in the in the description yeah 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 uh but yeah I'm, I'm doing i'm doing like a number of things at the moment um 
I was some I can't really say, but you know, at the moment. But yeah, I, it's it's the reason why I'm. Sl- you know, when you're like doing so many things, you feel like yeah. oh, you're stretching yourself in, but it, because you're, you're neglecting one thing because you're also doing another thing. That's kind of how I am right now. So, you know, right. hopefully Teasing. this is not like that with this. Teasing. Yeah. Well, hopefully, obviously, I'm going to be trying to be consistent with these podcasts because, you know, I enjoy talking about Hong Kong Cinema for like two hours. Why the hell not? You know, kind of thing. So We're close to two hours. We, we should, we should, we'll have to speak for another half hour at least, but. The number and a half, I think, is is good enough uh, yeah, for a start. Yeah, and then you're gonna so I've obviously cut it down as well because you know you shave off the the the, the gaff. I was like, is it? Yeah, yeah. But thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right, have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye.